0: It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. My name is Bree Mitchell. I am the host of the show as well as the founder of Brown Girl Self-Care. Brown Girl Self-Care is an intentional space for Black women who are looking to get to where the healing and wholeness that we deserve resides. Today, I'm going to be in conversation with uh jessica wilson she is uh, not only a clinical dietitian and a consultant but she is also an author and recently i had the opportunity to read her book that is specifically geared towards black women it's called it's always been ours rewriting the story of black women's bodies today y'all we're going to be getting into the meat and potatoes of just what it means to exist in black bodies when we have uh, uh issues with things like white supremacy and the relationships that we have with our bodies and body toxicity and just being in survival mode and trauma and things like that. So my hope is that you feel very seen in this episode. I want to give a trigger warning because we do talk about, uh, you know, just specific trauma related things pertaining to our bodies. So If you feel like you need to skip this episode, that's completely fine. But if not, go ahead and listen in. We're gonna jump right into this conversation with Jessica Wilson. There's gonna be great takeaways. So here we go. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, my pleasure. Please tell us more about you.
1: Sure. Um, I am a first time author. I always start by saying I did not want to write a book. Yes. I was asked to write a book and I said no. Uh, multiple times, but here we are. I uh, am a dietitian who works primarily with uh, women of color, folks of color, queer and trans folks, all of uh, whom may or may not have eating disorders. So that's more of my specialty area and really understanding the ways that both like capitalism, white supremacy, and trauma inform how we view our bodies that, you know, it's not just like
0: wanting to be thin.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: well let's go ahead and dive into this conversation because i feel like it's and obviously you do too it's very important uh this whole body thing for Mm -hmm. a word that only has four letters right (laughs) b-l-d-y it is so complex right Mm -hmm. absolutely so you wrote this book about our bodies and, and things like that but I want to ask you like just off the jump why is the body so controversial like why is Ooh, it that's
1: so- a good one
0: yeah like why is it so controversial it's like we're humans we have a spirit or I believe we have a soul a spirit I feel like it just it should just not be complicated but it, it totally is
1: I think that's a great one um Isabel Wilkerson from cast you know calls it a flashcard. um That we show in theory, you know, uh, when we meet someone and it, you know, provides all the justification for how someone will be viewed or judged, um, either likely, poorly, negatively or positively based on class, race, all of the other markers that we have. So I think because it has historically and continues to be a mode or the primary primary way that we judge someone else like that is how it's become so complicated and you know shrinking our bodies like inherently affords more social capital in some cultures and some industries and so just like being able to see someone's body and have it represent something i think makes it very complicated
0: Mm, yeah for sure and it's just so in your face it's not like there are certain things about ourselves we can obviously hide you know maybe it's your personality i know a lot of black women and people of color we mask in different situations i'm an expert at masking i could probably write a book (laughs) (laughs) but um when it comes to the body like you you can't hide your body correct right
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: and i know yeah go ahead
1: Oh, no, I was going to say people try, mm-hmm. um, especially people who, you know, don't feel like they have, you know, desirable bodies, mm-hmm. you know, we'll try and cover ourselves up, uh, be it at the beach or, or at the mall. Um, but there's only so much we can do um, and that, you know, society is still able to judge the rest. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I did a lot of hiding my body, and it's still something that I. It, it's so ingrained, it's so it, it's, it's I don't even really you don't even think about it yeah. once you've kind of done it, you just get into that pattern. Mm-hmm. So There are certain ways that I do like hide my body because. As a black woman, there are certain characteristics, not that all black women have, but, you know, generally speaking, black women are supposedly quote unquote known for having like a bedunk and, you know, <laughs> think of you know, things like yes. that. Right. And so I remember when I was, I feel like for me, like my body shame story, if that's a thing, is like Mm -hmm. probably started in my teens because first of all, I feel like as a teenager, I was like a brick house, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely had the booty, had a little bit of breast and I had a very nice figure and would get like grown men. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. You mm-hmm. already know where that's going. Mm-hmm. So just having this complex relationship with myself, and I'm sure a lot of Black women, you know, experience yeah. similar things or struggles mm-hmm. even with our bodies.
1: Totally. Mine started uh, younger than six. So I wanted to mm-hmm. say four. Um, I was a healthy kid and growing at the top of, you know, my you know, growth charts, which are these curved measurements that are just supposed to indicate whether or not somebody's growing quote normally. Um, but I was always quote winning is how I put it because I was at the top (laughs) to a kid that looks good. That that's the, you don't want to be the bottom, middle, top. Um, I was at the top and that was like a crisis for my doctor and for my mother, you know, like this child is too big. She's growing too much, whatever, whatever. Um, I remember those narratives, you know, I was like four, but what I really, you know, remember distinctly was going to a dietician at age six. Um, I thought I was eight and then I have like my paper medical record and I went back for that. No, I was six and she was talking to me about what I should and shouldn't eat. And like, that is ridiculous. It was like choices that I'm like, I'm not making choices as a six-year-old. And so, yeah, that was in my body stuff started but again similar to you when you start filling out and people start you know their heads men's heads start turning and you're like i don't like that Mm -mm. yeah
0: yeah it's very it's very uncomfortable i'm sorry that as a six-year-old which is to me still a baby i think people are babies until they're like 25 so just (laughs) excuse me but as a six-year-old as a baby just an innocent little child Mm I don't know, I, I, and, and because it's so complex, even just when I think about it, I don't even know how to express this, because it's like on the one hand, if there's a problem that a doctor might see, you know, I, I guess I get that, but on the other hand, like I, I just have these, <laughs> I ain't, like these two, like people on my shoulders, like on the one hand, I could see it, but on the other hand, it's like, But again, it's a, it's a Mm six-year-old, a a child whose body is going to go through all these changes over the next, what, 15, 20 years or however Mm -hmm. long it takes. Six years old. Is that, you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, I do. I sure do. Especially talking about choices, uh, when all I should be thinking about is like playing, not about, you know, I, as a six-year-old should not be like monitoring or thinking about, Yeah you know, uh, weight loss as a six-year-old, which was really, you know, the goal of that whole situation.
0: Yeah, that was not. Yeah, no, that's, that's a no, that that's definitely a no. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. So there are some quotes. I want to talk about body toxicity. Hopefully I said that right. Because last time I did not, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> there some All good. That you put, I, I, I have, um, one of them is like having a body is hard. Um, you also said for some existing separately from their body is an excellent survival strategy. Staying in our body can be hard for many of us, especially those of us who have experienced trauma, um, leaving the body and existing solely in the brain is a safe way not to feel anything at all. Mm -hmm. That whole thing about struggle and survival, so many stories that I hear from black women myself included, we all have a story of struggle and being in survival mode one way or another. Mm-hmm. So what are your, like, can we talk about that? Like just the fact that how how can we, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this conversation because it's just such a loaded mm. topic. And for a lot of us, it's just like traumatic too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So can we talk about just like how staying in our body, it's its hard for us.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's the trauma piece, there's the, you know, intergenerational historical trauma of our bodies and how just as Black women, our bodies have been treated over time. Um, and then there's the today of things for sure. So if you've experienced um, any type of trauma, be it physical, mental, sexual trauma, like staying in a body that it you know, is the way that you're going to feel like if we escape a body, you know, you don't have to have the feelings um, that come with having a body. If we, you know, don't eat food, you know, for folks, both with eating disorders or people who just go all day without, you know, tending to their body, Mm -hmm. uh, food and being fed allows you to feel things. So starving and restriction, like allow you to not do that. Um, so all of these, you know, ways that our body, you know, like as a physical function, like requires things of us, like removing ourselves from all of those needs is a way to just pretend that we exist only in our brains and not our bodies.
0: Mm. But pretending is obviously not, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so complicated. Um, You know, you said something else about body positivity and that it's seen as a movement. Um, For others, it feels like a mandate, a societal expectation that we can somehow transcend the lessons we've learned from society and put a positive spin on what it's like to exist under white supremacy. If only we could change the way we think, then it will be easier to navigate the world with the bodies we have. So it's like we have been, if I'm understanding what you've written correctly, it's like we've been conditioned to flip it and think it's 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 not the society that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It for going back to what you said as a six year old, it's you right that is the problem, six year old child or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I do. You yeah. that's one thousand percent.
1: You totally got it. Uh and the like work should not be ours to undo like centuries worth of, you know, policing and harming, you know, black women's bodies our bodies in general um but yeah it's a you problem not a societal problem and then so then we're in this spiral of like why can't i you know get out of this why can't i just you know feel positive about my body but it's like it's not you it's yeah you are not the problem
0: yeah it's sad because i can imagine that a lot of our our daughters are our, our, the kids or the, the speaking specifically about girls right now the the young the young women our daughters our children Growing up still in a society that, like we mentioned before, as much as it's ridiculous, it's like someone sees you, our bodies can represent so many things. And we learned that at such a long, excuse me, such a young age, not even just the, I guess, the, let's say the food part or the weight part, but also just the fact that someone seeing a black body seemingly regardless of age, right? Above mm-hmm. maybe two or three years old. Mm-hmm. That's a threat too. In a lot of cases.
1: Yeah. Right? The adultification of young black girls is something that I think about all the time for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm sure again, a lot of us have stories about that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember that kind of going back to my childhood, because I'm in a place where I am just processing a lot of things and, you know, memories kind of like bubble up to the surface and just different things like that. And um, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was younger, and I still can't hone in on what age exactly this happened to me, but I would say maybe between the age of like, seven to nine not even sure um but speaking of like adultification and bodies and just this relationship uh in my home i was abused by or molested by a relative a cousin a male cousin that was maybe like six years older than me Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's a whole nother conversation but it's hard for us it's hard for little girls to grow up with a healthy sense of who we are Mm-hmm. When we have those type of challenges and things happening to us mm-hmm. that have n- like we're not responsible for exactly and then we're expected to take all that in and then excuse me then go out into the world and be this productive you know member of society that that loves herself, feels good about herself, you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. but up until whenever we've gone through all these problems and and, and challenges and issues and abuse and trauma and things like that. Like, how do we we even like begin to navigate that?
1: Yeah. And you don't have the language for it at, you know, until you talk to probably adults when you are an adult about it, because so often, you know, our families just want to pretend it didn't happen or, you know, won't give you the language or won't just say it's not your fault and it's not because your body looks a certain way. But how do we not think that? as children as adults like what was wrong with me that that happened to me but that's oh it's awful and it's totally
0: not on us
1: yeah you're right it's so hard
0: yeah definitely not on us I want to go back to the beginning of the conversation because I feel like there's a story there you said that you were kind of like me write a book about this I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) you were you were fighting it (laughs) but um what was a catalyst for you saying, you know what, I got to, I got to write this book. I, I have to do it. Mm-hmm.
1: The work that I do as a dietitian is very one on one And so there's so many moments where I'm like, oh, first of all, I just said something. I bet more than just one person, you know, would benefit from me, you know, saying that or hearing that. And, you know, in a week's time, I might only see like 20 people. um, And, you know, I see them for a long period of time. And so it was if 500 people, you know, over the course of a few months could, you know, read this book, it would make it worth it. And if this will last, you know, for a long period of time, even if I'm not a dietitian anymore, I was like, okay, like, I would like to reach more people than I can just one-on-one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you know, when you have that calling inside of you to birth this mm. thing, it's such a huge responsibility. You know what I mean? But I'm it opens that, you up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Sure. a lot. is. I'm glad that you did release the birth of this book though, because it's, it's definitely right on time, especially as we are, in this situation where not only are we growing up, or like, I'm not sure your age, but I'm like in my late 40s. And like our generation growing up with the things that we grew up with, and then your generation growing up with things you grow up grew up with. So not only do we have that, but now we have even younger people that are getting these challenges or having these experiences, I should say, because we have social media, Mm -hmm. who clearly has a Let's just say a specific body type, which is usually like white, thin, um, you know, certain features that sometimes is not even something we could ever even achieve anyway. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so we have our children like on so online on social media, just massively consuming this content.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Plus whatever else is going on inside the home. So it just feels like it's even bigger now than it was even just a previous generation or two ago in that regard yeah
1: so for those who are in their 20s ish now um i think of y'all as the ones who grew up like watching the biggest loser um my 500 pound life um, the ones who were like the test subjects for like whether or not you're getting weighed in PE classes or you know your BMI is being measured in classes so like those are the 20 year olds of now who are also on social media and seeing those things Um, I just had someone send me it was like uh, how it was like injections in your shoulder to give you like a longer neck and like less like muscle there <laughs> I was like I can't imagine. And like sent it to me, like, isn't this so cool? And I just can't imagine being 20 something and A, like wanting that, but also two, being so susceptible Mm. to that as like, as an ideal, like, I just saw this thing and that's something that I'm supposed to want or what, and it was just like, what is happening? I'm just... It makes me so sad. In the days, I assume you and I had like Seventeen magazine and Y M, and we had all those, you know, Heidi Klum and very thin models. But like, that's where it stopped. Like, and then you had to wait a month for another magazine to be told that your body is not the, you know, body ideal. But now it's like every every moment.
0: Yeah, it's definitely in your face, everywhere. And even when they have these like body positivity, kind of like episodes, not episodes, issues, or, yeah. you know, things like that, it's still like, girl. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mm-hmm. With the filters and the Photoshop. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, we are just living in this Kardashian based world. And I'm using Kardashian as in, because online I see so many women either fawning over them and this is no shade to them at all whatsoever i could care less about the kardashians yeah <laughs> but no, I gotcha. um people fawning over them and these unrealistic expectations of what a woman's body is supposed to mm. look like mm-hmm. right so we're dealing with that but i just i don't know like what the solution would be for that mm. it's just so prevalent and it's everywhere it is so mainstream it's it's like beyond mainstream <laughs> so mm-hmm. i don't really know like where a black woman who looks like me for example short big booty um average body type if you will actually i would be considered obese like how does someone like me mm-hmm. feel good about herself in a world like this
1: yeah um of course i don't have answers but the right, thing right.
0: That I, <laughs> is
1: that a question Tell me all the answers. <laughs> uh community for me uh both like for me but also for my clients has been a game changer having people like amongst whom both experience the same things but talk about it uh because it's so hard on our own again to not think there's something wrong with us to not think of our body as a project you know that we should always be you know working on and all of this like weird stuff that You know, we hear about be it our health and how we should just be doing these things or like exercise only, you know, it's a mess out there. But then finding people who like understand and are not going to be having the like shamey body shamey conversations and who can talk about white supremacy and intergenerational trauma as something that not only, of course, it affects us, you know, mentally and spiritually, but just like how we, you know, like think about our bodies has been pretty awesome both for my clients my friends and for me
0: yeah for sure i was gonna say if this is something that you can answer like what has been in your experience some of the effects like if someone's listening to this episode and they're like i white supremacy don't have nothing to do with this you know what i'm trying to say (laughs) like if someone's thinking that would what would you say to that person or what are like some of the effects that you would say (laughs) well (laughs) well right um
1: So many things, but let me plug a resource. Mm -hmm. Um, If folks have not read Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Phobia by Dr. Sabrina Strings, highly recommend it. It's 400 pages. It'll take you forever. (laughs) Audiobook also. So she does like centuries of how Black women's bodies in particular got to be viewed, you know, both negatively and like having curves be, you know, a quote bad thing, how, you know, fatness and fat phobia were generated, you know, as a, you know, association with blackness. So I will talk about some of the, I will, I will sprinkle mm-hmm. some history in, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like we'll, we'll just talk about how, you know, we got to be today, but then, you know, what also happens again and again today. So not just like how, does white supremacy impact us then, but how today are we, you know, seeking safety sometimes in our bodies by, you know, people trying to shrink, basically lose weight, um, our bodies in order to conform to what, you know, white supremacy today, you know, demands of us in order to get a job, to succeed, you know, all of these things. Like if we're more palatable as black women, right? If we do all these things, if we participate in respectability, you know, politics, you know that is white supremacy i don't blame people of course for finding you know that safety survival because you know we have to get up every day but like those are the ways that that white supremacy like impacts how we feel about our bodies but you know sometimes it's like just hasn't like occurred to some people just because that survival strategy has just been working Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs)
0: The black body needing to be digestible or just like palatable is just still. It's like on the one hand you wanted our bodies to do this labor, Mm -hmm. and and still want us these bodies to do this labor. But I'm talking about back in the day too, or you know they they needed our bodies for this labor, and to build this country. But on the other hand, it's like but your body is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Make it make sense. Which one do you want? <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Yep. It's acceptable in the house or the field, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not in the boardroom or any of these other places. Yeah. yeah. Not
0: in med school or law school. Or anything. No. Yeah. No. So for whomever listening to this episode, like I just want you to know that this, if you're, if you're experiencing these things, you know, it's totally not your fault. And I, I would just say maybe, I don't even know, I, 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 I wanna always give like some type of appropriate, I'm doing air quotes for those that are listening, like appropriate response. But it's like some things is just like, there's no band-aid that you can put on this conversation. There's no, right. um platitude, if you will, that will just, I can just say this one sentence, make it, it's like this social media worthy sentence. I can just (laughs) say this one thing and then everything is going to be good for you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know what I mean? I do. But it's not because you're right. Like we, a lot of us, we are just in survival mode. We are doing the best that we can so that we can show up, for example, at these jobs so that we can show up as a parent so we can, you know, do all the things, but doing these things doesn't negate the fact that we still have these bodies that we we need to tend to but these bodies are looked at as a threat as not acceptable as ugly as lazy as um, you know all these negative harmful things and we have to wake up and feel the way that we feel and do the things that we have to do literally like every single day it's like an, a never-ending cycle
1: right? Yeah. Along with, you know, the other choices that I always talk about is like, you have to feed yourself like multiple times a day. You have mm-hmm. to like get back in and be like, okay, I have to do this thing for this body. It's incredibly annoying. Uh, I have to make this choice. I have to do, you know, it's like a chore for some of us. Uh, but yeah, like we have to get up every day. We have to do these things and yeah, it's hard.
0: Yeah, for sure. Can we, since you talked about this and I have intuitive eating, here. So I love that. We're kind of like segueing into food, which is again, not always a kumbaya kind of conversation. Nope. Right.
1: Yes. But so often it tries to be, um, I know plenty of dietitian that, you know, you could invite on who will tell you that black women are unhealthy in all of these ways. And this is, you know, how black women need to, you know, take care of our health and all of these things. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, Wow, what internalized stuff are you on right now that you you know are just thinking that our health is a like across the board bad? To that food is going to be the solution to like again that centuries worth of you know basically trauma. Um, and we know the, all the ways that trauma, or I hope we know all the ways that trauma impacts both our health, our you know mental health, our mm-hmm. environment, everything that's you know going on. So like. Yes. Uh, the person who says, you know, that black women just need to be doing X, Y, or Z thing. Yes. I say, yeah. Uh, no, don't, don't go to them anyhow. Um, but intuitive eating is supposed to be um, the like anti diet, like solution to when, you know, we're not going to diet anymore because we understand, you know, that shrinking ourselves or participating or, you know eating snack wells might not be the answer. <laughs> um so instead we're going to do this lovely fluffy um intuitive eating and I understand we'll always say that the idea of like eating what your you know body needs, you know, can be really helpful um for a lot of people. And then again, like you have to have a body and feel a body in order to know what it needs. Um you you know have to be comfortable letting your body like perhaps gain weight or lose weight, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of what it actually means to feed your body in the way that it needs to be fed. You need access to food. You need money for food. You need a safe place to eat this food. You need a job that lets you, you know, have a lunch break. Um, All of these things that are just like, who is this for? Like, what is my life like that I have, you know, more than five minutes to eat a lunch on some days? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's just this very like easeful, again, like individual, solution to you know, like what is supposed to be like us feeding ourselves and it's so much more complex um than just you know eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full
0: mm. yeah I've, I've tried that diet before
1: <laughs> see that's what my friend
0: says too I
1: told yes uh actually the woman on the cover Shana she's great um, she's been involved in like body liberation, fat liberation spaces forever and heard about intuitive eating when it came out in the 90s. And you know, was just telling me she's like, Oh, I thought that was just the diet of the 90s. And I was like, I know, I know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've I I've, I've tried that. And I do know that like when I was younger, the weight, it was easier to lose weight. Like it was just like I could just go outside and exercise for 30 minutes and I come in and I'd lose. Least- <laughs> 20 pounds, you know, <laughs> but the body, it just, it changes. There's ebbs mm-hmm. and flows, you know what I mean? And as you get a little older, you know, things kind of change and you know, all that stuff, that's a natural part of life as we progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really would like to talk to you about like, how can we begin to heal our relationship with food?
1: Yeah. Um, I will start a place and hopefully end with somewhat of an answer. But um, in my entire academic, like training to be a dietitian, I was the only black person, like ever student, like in the in the whole in the whole thing. Um, and in those classes, we would learn about what quote black people eat and, you know, all the ways, you know, all of the fried chicken, for example, um, that every black person is eating
0: every day, every single breakfast, (laughs) lunch, and dinner. I eat fried chicken.
1: I know. Right, Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, that is oftentimes that shame and that like association with black food being unhealthy. Like we're not immune to that ourselves. Um, and like viewing the ways that we eat regardless of that whether or not it's fried chicken or any any other things do you remember you're old enough to remember like how people viewed collard greens um, until kale become popular and then all of a sudden people are talking about greens and eating them in hipster restaurants but beforehand yeah but before then greens were just a black people food and it you know it wasn't like even the quote healthier green, it was supposed to be spinach or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so like that shame and food shame is not, you know, doesn't miss us. So like, how can we reconcile like the ways that again, white supremacy and whiteness basically has pathologized, like all of our foods, including those that came over from Africa. um, And like, what do we do with that information As we look back at, say, you know, what we grew up eating.
0: Um, Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is black girl peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like frizz free up your schedule with way go to t h e o u a i dot com and enter promo code self care for fifteen percent off any product that's t h e o u a i dot com promo code self care
1: and you know when we're able to give that context hopefully that comes with some you know healing and ease there but then you know, we can also just realize, again, like you already said, our bodies are going to change, like regardless of what we do. Um, So how can we look at food as something that is supposed to both, you know, provide pleasure and, you know, make sure that I'm not a hangry mess all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. And as we get older, fiber becomes more important. You know, and just like, how do we, <laughs> how as do we look does. at these things that are just reality? Because it's, can be so often like I'm emotionally eating because I, you know, went out for ice cream on whatever occasion. And I'm like, that's that's fine. That's what people do. Like food is not supposed to be like this purity model of like, you know, ab- um what's the word? Oh gosh. I have lost the word. You can edit that or, or not. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like food is supposed to be part of our purity culture. And, you know, we're never supposed to enjoy it. We only enjoy it on these occasions. And it just becomes so complicated when it was like, what did you have for breakfast? Like, you know, like, were you hungry in an hour? Maybe you eat more. Like what it's, it doesn't have to be that hard, but in our society, of course it is. So it's like
0: punishing our bodies, Yeah, you know, especially for those of us that are not like, we're not going to fit that mold. Mm -hmm. Just not. We're just not, a lot of us are not going to fit that mold. So just that whole, I love that you said that. The, what did you say? Purity?
1: Yeah. What? The purity culture of like, purity oh, culture. we're supposed to eat like what low sugar cereal, what like magic spoon or somebody was just talking about it. And it's like a sugar free. And I'm like, but why? Why? Like, or we could just eat grits. Like, I don't, mm. I don't understand. And you know what it's yeah it's the like weird um avoidance and restriction and like rigidity stuff with food and you know that just goes along with like the containment of our bodies and like these are the things we're supposed to be doing to make sure we don't spill outside the bounds of acceptability in our culture
0: Hmm. I love that one of the struggles that I have Jessica is that since nothing is ever just 100%. It's like on the one hand, you know these things, that food, you know, it's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to have a favorite snack that you like to eat or like not putting like these rigid restrictions, like, oh, you can't have pizza because that's 500, like just not doing any of that. But (laughs) I'm trying to understand how to have balance between that because Mm -hmm. i can inhale a bag of Starburst like you (laughs) believe yes all kinds of stuff honey but it's like trying to find that balance because there how can i even say this like it it can be easy to kind of like go overboard yeah as well and (laughs) I have to be careful of that because I know that there is a such thing as like pre-diabetes or diabetes. And I definitely don't want to have to have like my foot cut off, for example, or um, what's the other one? Not diabetes. Um, like high, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Cause we're having a lot of salt because of all this processed foods and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do we find that balance without being so like, Rigid.
1: Yes. Do you mind if I get personal
0: here? Yes, please. Do. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes. Do you try and avoid Starburst, or do you feel like you shouldn't be eating them, or?
0: Um, I don't try to avoid the. The only thing that I try to avoid. First of all, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't avoid. I have never met a candy that I did not like. That's no okay. okay. But. because of that. Mm. Um, I do try my best to limit how often like I'm going to the snack jar or how many times I'm going to Walgreens to pick up more candy. I'm really Mm -hmm. trying to just have a healthier balance from that because yeah, I know it's important for me, my body type.
1: Okay. Um, two things um oftentimes when we're in a like should or shouldn't or you know however it is with food we think about it a lot more Mm -hmm. we like it ends up holding a lot more power Mm -hmm. over us than like something that is quote neutral um I have a mentee uh Lexi who's mentioned the book the gymnast uh she Mm -hmm. stayed with us during COVID (laughs) she um went to get like some Reese's peanut butter cups I like went and did I don't know like watched a movie came back and the whole bag was gone and I was like oh (laughs) tell me more about that and she was like um this is sugar stomach and I was like what what do you mean (laughs) you say that like it's a fact and she's like yes you're not supposed to have peanut butter cups so you get a lot if you're going to eat them you eat them all because you shouldn't be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um the next day uh so basically it's like this like uh avoidance and then like eat it all because like she's not supposed to be eating them and it <laughs> I was like oh, okay so some of your listeners may resonate with like That's this, like, <laughs> right with this forced scarcity yeah. model that we're like trying to have for ourselves and how it <laughs> ends up backfiring um and then you know i never deny that sugar can you know, touch the pleasure centers of our brain. And so how do we have a variety of things that, you know, touch the pleasure, pleasure centers of our brain? Like, do we just need to go touch grass? Um, <laughs> can we bring Starbucks to the grass? Um, can we bring, I'm sorry, not Starbucks, um, Starburst, <laughs> Starburst. can we bring Starburst? To the grass. um, What are all these ways that we can also enjoy these things? So it's not just like always in isolation or like we're feeling guilty. So if we're also feeling guilty for doing a thing, it ends up being like more than just we had some. Mm -hmm. So with, you know, Lexi was here and I like, well, we're going to you know, quote fix this. I just went and bought a bunch and then would like walk past her while she was studying and like drop a few peanut butter cups. And by the end, <laughs> first of all, she's real mad because she's not supposed to be eating them. But by the end she had purchased some and didn't finish them by the time she left. And I was like, well, that's great for me because now I can eat them. But also like, she didn't feel like she needed to. Mm-hmm. Um And then with the diabetes and prediabetes, that one, is an interesting one, especially for black folks and hypertension. Uh, when we go to the doctor, because we're black, we're already told, like, you need to be worried about your death. It could be, you know, diabetes and then like the extreme, like, you don't want to be on insulin or have your, you know, foot cut off, Um but that's one way you could die from a very early age or, you know, you don't want high blood pressure or whatever it is. So just being Black, like people don't ask us, like, what's happening with your, you know, stress, sleep, food, exercise, all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's like, P.S., you're Black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so really what we need to focus on is how you're you know, more likely to die versus, you know, all of these things that could actually impact, you know, your health. Um, like stress and sleep mm-hmm. yes, so, and I talk about diabetes and prediabetes more globally. It's much less a food situation and a quote sugar situation. it's more um well, stress sleep trauma, all these other inflammatory things that we have right going on um, and the ways I tend to focus on food least because we can preserve our insulin you know functionality by being more physically active and stuff like that and so this whole narrative of like all these things that we shouldn't do or just you know kind of quote feed into the narratives of everything that black people are doing wrong already Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
1: and then the salt stuff like everybody has you know salt in their diet it's not a particular black thing again but that's not what we're told Mm -hmm. we're like you're black Mm -hmm. this is another way you could die when if we look at heart disease again like where are these stress markers coming from because that's really an inflammatory situation um, and that comes from everything else that we have to experience on a daily basis racism you know the more you experience racism the more likely you are to have high blood pressure Mm
0: -hmm. Mm mm-hmm It's a lot. That's <laughs> a breath. Yeah, it is a lot. And I'm as you're talking, I'm even thinking like the food to me is it's a part of it. Yes, definitely. But as you were speaking, my mind is going to the fact that the food part to me is like a band-aid. You go into the doctor's office, they see that you're black, they look at you, you know, they do your weight, your height, all those things. Let's yeah. say that yeah. you're overweight. Or whatever, like I like I said, I would be considered obese. So let's just let's just use me. Let's, let me talk about me. Go into the doctor's office, they have the, the chart like you said. Your weight, your height, da da da. You're considered obese, da, da da da. And it is about lose the weight. That's it. Lose the weight. Mm-hmm. What are you eating? Okay, let, let's say I get that, but let's put that to the side. It doesn't usually go beyond that. Mm -hmm. to where the other things that you were mentioning is addressed because i'm thinking someone that is not in survival mode someone that is not struggling with their mental health someone that is not constantly dealing with like harm and racism and bias and, and and microaggressions and just different things um plus someone that is for example, making a fair amount of money mm-hmm. compared to their count- counterparts in the world, yeah, they, so they, they have that income, you know, mm-hmm. which means more security, someone that's not worried about, are these lights going to stay on, are we going to have what we need, are we going to be safe tonight, you mm-hmm. know, just someone that's not, like, those are the things, like you were saying, let's put the food to the side for a minute. Yeah. hmm. Cause I, I get, I get it. I do, but like as not, do I, <laughs> Yeah, but they're not looking at mm-hmm. yeah the whole picture. Like what is going on in the, in your life?
1: Absolutely. I just had a patient last, last week who came like, who'd never had concerns about her blood sugar um, before moving to the U S and it's so easy to say like, oh, it's cause the food in the U S blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Um, But was here, was unemployed, didn't have a place to stay, and was in an abusive relationship. Uh, Ended up finding family to stay with, got out of that relationship. And so her blood sugar had been high initially. She got out of that and got, you know, supportive. Yeah, and her blood sugar returned. But, like, the information she got, not from me, was, like, all of this, like, food stuff. But it was, like, no, it was just, like, a very stressful and traumatic situation that she was experiencing. So, but yeah, but then all the guilt and shame that goes with that too. Mm-hmm. So yes, I totally understand the food stuff. I think that people should, you know, eat fruits and vegetables. I understand that, you know, fruits and vegetables are not always a accessible, you know, you mm-hmm. know, so like in theory, I think people should be eating all the foods. Um, I worked at a clinic for uh impoverished black folks and sometimes homeless black folks Mm -hmm. and there would be the produce boxes that come from the grocery store lying top to bottom it would have like kale and spaghetti squash and radicchio and like stuff you know that requires cooking and Mm -hmm. you know all of and so oh beets there would be like boxes of beets and I'm like what am I gonna eat one raw what is happening here Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Yeah. So the ideas, you know, in our public health is just like give free fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, this is what that looks like. Like people need housing, people need basic income, people need health care. Like why, why is it just diet and exercise?
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, what, what are the odds that someone who is in an environment where on every corner there's a McDonald's, a KFC, look, I know all the places, Taco Bell, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. What are the odds that someone that lives in that environment is gonna have access to the types of food choices that a body would need to help maintain their health, like on a regular basis versus in other areas, other neighborhoods that have farmer's market and locally grown foods and, you know, all these resources. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's about the food, but it's not about the food.
1: Right, and then we blame people for going to McDonald's for dinner.
0: When like, how what, much can you get a meal for versus going to this? Exactly.
1: Right. What was the alternative? Did you just want me to not eat food? Do you wanted me to take three buses to, you know, the local whatever it was to get food? It was, would that be better?
0: Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it is definitely a lot. Um, gosh, I know that we don't have a lot of time. These kind of conversations can just go on and on and on. Um, let me see what else I wanted to touch base with you on. I have a lot of topics here. Um, oh, here's one health disparities. This is something I really wanted to talk about. So, um, like how we eat as black people. So when we're losing weight, um, or intermittent, intermittent fasting, for example, which is something that I actually do, I see your face. I do intermittent fasting. Let me explain myself. Hold on. So, um, (laughs) honestly I've been doing it for a few years now Mm -hmm. The thing that's interesting is when I don't do it and and well I'll I'll go back to that in a second but when I don't do it and I just I I I feel like I have to have like some type of structure because if I don't Mm -hmm. I'm just I promise you I'm just like all willy-nilly um so i do intermittent fasting i don't restrict what i eat during my window so if i want to eat clean mm-hmm. that day great if i want to go to mcdonald's drive-through great i had in and out for lunch today wonderful it just uh-huh. depends on what i want to do and how my body feels that day the only thing that i do do specifically is i make sure that i drink a lot of water like water 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 but um so i wanted to ta- ask you like when we when we think about losing weight or intermittent fasting for example and you can use me if you, as a you know whatever um are we trying to get closer to whiteness when we do these types of things hit me with it and hit me with it hard what are your <laughs> thoughts uh
1: well first of all i always say that if people just are skipping breakfast don't have money for breakfast you know all of these things and are only eating you know either lunch and dinner or just dinner um People are already intermittent fasting
0: i was gonna um, say and see i'm someone i cannot eat breakfast i think it's absolutely disgusting i know that <laughs> right. it's just me i i cannot stand it it's very rare yeah that i eat breakfast but mm-hmm. i'm sorry
1: go ahead no it's fine like there's so many people who are already you know quote intermittent fasting yeah and then it was like on you know in and on media as like this healthy way to be and i'm like the people have been doing this forever, especially mm-hmm. poor people who have, you know, only money for, you know, one meal. Like yeah. this is not this is a weird diet fad. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I want the structure piece. I would, if you have a therapist, I would love for you to explore, um, just generally in structure in life because there's a lot of, you know, uh, neurotypical and neurodiverse folks that just really benefit on you know, having food structure of some point Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Uh, and is it for weight loss? So like there can be like food structure and all of those things in the absence of like having weight loss as a goal, if weight loss is a goal, it goes back to, you know, the trying to shrink ourselves to become Mm -hmm. more palatable. So like, what are the motivations there is what I'm always looking at. Mm -hmm.
0: That's a good point. That is a great point. That's something I need to process For me, I would say it's a mixture of things. Um, I like the way I feel because I'm not all like, depending on what I have to do that day, I'm not all bogged down with like this heavy meal. Um, So that's one of the reasons why, but also, yes, I do do it so that I can maintain a certain level of weight, because if I'm not careful, like there was a time in my life where I was almost 200 pounds and since I'm so short, I'm 5'1", it just it just did not feel good for me. I felt so like my body was just, it felt so heavy and I just, I just didn't feel good in my body. I, I can't even explain it. It just didn't feel good for me. I just didn't feel healthy. I just didn't feel healthy. So I don't really know how to answer that. I'm sure there has to be some type of respectability and um, in that for sure. It, there has to be. I am a positive that there is, um, but I guess it's not really something that I think about because when I do it, I'm not thinking about oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose all this weight. I'm gonna, <laughs> but maybe it's there. It has to be there on a on some level. You know what I mean? I do.
1: It's so complicated because exactly what you said about you know how you were feeling at the weight you were at. Um, people will make you know whatever they are experiencing about the weight rather than like what is happening to people when their weight is at a such and such, you know, point. And what people often don't talk about is like how people perceive someone who is on this, you know, quote, like health or weight loss journey, you know, we're so praised for like, whatever it was that we've done. And, -hmm. you know, just getting and gaining in social capital feels really good, Mm -hmm. you know, getting positive feedback, especially from people who are perhaps trash, or if your family, you know, is one that always comments on your weight, like, how do we not, you know, want to both evade that and get positive feedback. And so just the things that are built into our society that again, You know makes me not you know judge or blame anybody for how they survive but it's just unfortunately
0: there yeah it's definitely there absolutely And when you were saying that i was i I was hit with a memory when i was a child or let's say teen maybe like i don't know 13 uh 14 somewhere in there i i specifically remember i was in the house i had on they had these popular like jean shirt and top combos if you're from the 90s, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I had on these shorts that hit my knee and then I had on this button down long sleeve shirt and I had it like I think it was like tied at the waist or, or yep. something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling what I'm picking? Are you feeling me right now? You- the ties and also the little
1: side things that you put your shirt through. Yes. Yes.
0: I had that outfit on, I remember this so clearly, and this memory popped up when you were talking. Um, Someone in my family pointed out to me, because I had like a little bit of a belly. I mean, keep in mind, I'm 14. How much Mm -hmm. of a belly could I have possibly had, right? Anyway, and they were like, um, she was like, something about how my stomach was fat, you shouldn't wear that kind of shirt. You're, you're, it was just always like, you're, you're going to be fat. You're going to be, you're too heavy. You're going to be fat when you're older. That was the messaging that I received. You're going to be fat. Don't eat too much of that. Like it was just very like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And to tell a 14 year old, mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine me telling my daughter that my daughter is, you know, she's healthy. Um, she walks around the house in her little booty, sh- booty shorts um, and her little crop top. I can't imagine me coming out of my mouth and saying, don't wear that, because your stomach's too fat. Um, Or like some of the things that were told to me, like I can't see myself fixing my mouth to say that, especially if if nothing else, especially since you're in your house. yeah, And if you can't feel safe Mm -hmm. and comfortable and loved and accepted, anywhere else in the world right it should be in your home 1000 percent, right mm-hmm. so as you were talking about that that's the memory that popped up for me and so i'm gonna change my answer because i'm still healing from a lot of trauma so i am sure that a part of what i'm doing i do have those subconscious messages that are saying hey this is, you got, you got to lose weight. This is why you got to, you know, there's, there's definitely that messaging, messaging programmed in there for sure.
1: Yeah. And this has been a journey for you and your listeners, I'm sure are like, uh, so I don't, I just want to hold that and hold space for that right now, because all that you've learned about yourself right now has been so much. And mm-hmm. I really feel for the gene outfit individual <laughs> not for the fashion but for what you know happened like those are the moment, isn't it wild that those moments stick with us i have so many of those like in this moment this is what i was wearing and this is what happened mm. body related because they matter they add up um you know it's like oh it was a long time ago but like why do i remember exactly mm-hmm. what happened
0: yeah yeah definitely many stories another time i was in the mall with my mom and we're looking for shorts because it's summertime and i'm supposed to go to like some little cheer camp or whatever or maybe we were school shopping i don't remember so now at this point i'm like 14 15 still have a badonk not fat by any stretch of the imagination and her saying like oh these shorts don't fit because your thighs you know rub together and so like it's just a whole so yeah me thinking this as we have this conversation makes me totally change my answer that I gave before, because I'm kind of like processing it as we speak. But it's unfortunate that a lot of us, we get that even at home, like,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, in the higher weights, you know, that we have either been or were, you know, so fiercely trying not to be. Mm -hmm. um, I always imagine or ask people like to imagine a place like where fat people are not treated badly. Like, <laughs> would we be so afraid and so fixated? Because is it like our body size or is it the way that larger people are treated? Is it fat phobia? You know, and then, you know, then like there's space to be like, Oh, I was doing X, Y, and Z thing, or it was COVID and I had no joy in my life. Uh, You know, when I weighed X, Y, and Z, but now the world opened up and I'm, you know, now doing, you know, A, B and C differently. And I feel so much better. And I'm like, is it, yeah. Like what are the circumstances? Did things change because things changed or, you know, is it us trying to yes, again, become more palatable? So Mm
0: -hmm. it's
1: yeah. And again, we don't, I'm not judging, but just (laughs) let's be honest with ourselves about why, because then 1000% exactly what you said, because we will pass that on to, you know, younger people, um, subconsciously or not, like people will see us and how we're reacting and behaving and then, you know, adopt that. So, you know, when it comes to respectability, if somebody had just said, you know, to me or my friends, you know, I'm going to say these things. I will tell you that white people will tell you, you know, treat you differently, you know, if you do these things and I don't expect you to, and I don't need you to, but you know, these are ways that black women have survived for decades, you know let's just be transparent about that you will hear these things about colorism you will you know hear things about your hair this is why and you know I want you just to be able to make your choices in context rather than feel like you should be you
0: know doing one thing or another Mm -hmm. I love that I know we need to wrap up um can I I want to ask you one more question do you mind no. Wrap up? Okay, cool. Um, so wrapping up, can we talk about vulnerability, joy in Black women? Yeah. I, I really wanted to touch on that before we wrapped up. Um, just like on not being expected to go above and beyond. Um, now I don't know if this is my note or your note. I think it's my note, but new meaning of vulnerability includes embodying softness and the ability to just be. Um, so in your perspective or from your point of view, what is Black joy and why is it so important? And and I guess, can we tie it into food? I know that we can, but just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Yeah. So the vulnerability piece goes back to um, the body stuff that you were already mentioning earlier and how Black women's bodies, you know, were used for labor. And then I think again, you know, with the Stacey Abrams, uh, politicians of the world, you know, we rely on her to save America. Uh, mm-hmm. So black women built this country, you know, we're supposed to always be saving this country. Uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, again, like was supposed to save the pre- Supreme Court, etc. Um, so can our vulnerability be written not as one that is, you know, susceptible to diabetes hypertension um sexual assault and trauma can we just be vulnerable like you you know mentioned like embodied softness and just be Mm -hmm. and then you know from that how can we cultivate joy and that comes back to a lot of what i talked about in community like Mm -hmm. how can we yeah be ourselves um black women laughing loudly in public is the best sound (laughs) that I ever hear. Um, My therapist says for her that Black Joy is, you know, watching Black women win. Um, And it's not to say that, you know, we just need to think positively or think ourselves out of trauma. Mm -hmm. But how can we find resilience not, you know, in our workplace, but in community? How can our community, you know, be the place that, you know, doesn't have the negative body talk that has, you know, the joy? How can we cultivate that joy together to then take it and use it as a shield or even as a weapon against, you know, all that society
0: is, you know, giving us? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hate to wrap this up, but I know that I must. (laughs) Um, Can you please tell us again? Give us the name of your book, where it can be found. And also, um, if you have anything that's coming up, feel free to drop that as well. And then let us know where we can find you online, too.
1: Sure. Uh, The book It's Always Been Ours, Rewriting the Story of Black Women's Bodies is available everywhere where books are sold on audiobook and ebook. Um, I have my one last uh book event. Well, two mixed in one. I'll be in Atlanta at the end of July. I don't know when this will run, but uh the last weekend of July, I'll be at um a bookshop in Atlanta. I what is next for me is a creative project that will be my own. This is the first platform that I, on which I will announce that I will actually be doing a podcast of my own. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I am, you know, my first creative project that will be mine and mine only rather than having someone tell me what I should be doing or what project I should be doing. Yes, it'll be some of me, some of my dad, there's a lot of situations in the book that, you know, are just awkward and ridiculous and hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all the ways that I show up in world, in the world, especially in white spaces and make things awkward, um, that will, you know, be one of the focuses. And I'll give that link to you. It'll be, you know, for your audience only. And it. then you can find me on Instagram, mostly at jessicawilson.msrd and TikTok is by Jessica Wilson. So you can
0: find me there. My website, you can email me. Got it, got it. So I'll make sure to put that information in the show notes so that way people can connect with you if they wanna learn more just about this whole process of healing yeah. This from this, this relationship with our bodies, with ourselves, which is so, so important. So I'll make sure I put that information in the show mm-hmm. notes. Well, do you have any final thoughts before I wrap up? Oh, I would just encourage
1: you to share with people how you're going to take care of yourself now and to ask listeners after hearing all of this, you know, how they can take care of themselves because it's a lot. It's so, so much that we've been told or taught that, you know,
0: I am asking folks to undo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Yeah, how are you
1: going to take care of
0: yourself? that is something that I have to process and think about um so I'll have to stick a pin in that because I I really I really don't know um because I'm already doing certain things but now after having this conversation I really want to just maybe maybe my answer is I want to now take a step back and at at minimum just kind of process and really think about um what I am doing and initially i thought i knew what i was doing it for but i i think i need to kind of go below the surface a little bit more and just process that it's just so pervasive like this just it just all of this is just so much it's just a lot you know yes it's everywhere it -hmm. touches every part of life unfortunately yeah Mm -hmm. so that's what i will be doing okay thank you for sharing Yeah, and if you want to chime in and shoot me an email, um, feel free to do that. You can reach me at connect at browngirlselfcare.com. I would love to hear your thoughts or if you have a message that you want me to pass along to Jessica, um, I'm happy to do that as well because this kind of conversation does, it may take a minute for you to kind of like, it may even take you re-listening to the episode just to kind of process everything that we've talked about today because it is a whole lot so um with that said uh, first of all thank you so much for being a guest with me today i really appreciate you
1: absolutely this is great thank you so much for having me
0: yay i'm so excited um thank you and um that's it for the brown girl self-care podcast i will uh, see you on the show next monday take care